0: at this narrative in Luke chapter 2, it's a very simple narrative that we've heard of before, but it's also simply profound. So would you open your Bibles this morning with me to Luke chapter 2? Luke chapter 2, I love what C.S. Lewis said, the Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. How true that is as we look at Luke chapter 2. The Son of of God became a man to enable man to become sons of God. That is exactly why he came, so that we can become his children. And even in a backdrop of a very dark day, of a hopeless day, uh, of a day when we need peace and we need joy and when we need faith, the Christians uh, of the early Christmas story did not say in defeat, what has this world come to? But they said in delight, what has come into this world? Today, you as a Christian, I want to encourage you, you do not have to say, look what this world's come to. You can say, look what's come into this world. It's the Son, Jesus Christ. It's the light and darkness. And even joining us through the Christmas series that we've been going through, or maybe today is your first time at church, You're visiting us for the very first time today. These are a few principles that we've learned from the first two chapters already in the Gospel of Luke. The Christmas story teaches us this principle. Number one, God answers prayers and he always keeps his promises. Remind yourself today that God answers your prayers and God always keeps his promises. Number two, with God, nothing will be impossible. We know who we trust in, we know the Almighty with him, Nothing will be impossible. Number three, he has done great things for me. God has done great things for you and that he loved you and he sent his son to provide salvation and make a way so that you have relationship with the father. And number four, God has visited his people. God has visited us. Emmanuel, God with us. He has visited us in his love. When did he visit us? at just the right time. In Galatians chapter 4, verse four, Paul would say this, but when the fullness of time had come, at just the right time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, notice, to redeem. God sent His Son to redeem us, to set us free, to pay the price for our freedom, To pay the penalty of our sin, he came to redeem us. Notice that is the the story, that is the promise, that is the power that comes with Christmas. He came to redeem you who had been under the law. We had been living under condemnation that we might receive the adoption as sons. What is the message that we receive through Luke chapter three, through Galatians chapter four, that God has set us free so that we can receive Sonship, that God has set us free from the bondage of sin, that God has set us free from death, from shame, from our past. He has broken the chains of addiction. He has rescued us. He has redeemed us so that we receive His gift of salvation and become His children. Now, there are three gifts I want you to leave with today. These are the three gifts that He offers you as His child. It's the gift of number one, true joy true salvation, and true peace. Would you remember that this morning? True joy, true salvation, and true peace. And I want to invite you that you would stand on your feet this morning as we read God's word there in Luke chapter 2. And we'll read the first seven verses. I'll read the odd verses, and you read the even verses out loud together. Luke 2 verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Saul went to be registered, everyone to his own city. be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. (laughs) And she brought forth her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and she laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you teach us, you show us, that in your word we find the blessing of salvation that you are Emmanuel, God, with us. You have visited us at just the right time to set us free so that we receive the gift of salvation. And Lord, speak to us now in Jesus' name. Together we said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're gonna look at three major movements through the verses that we study this morning. Number one, the birth of Christ. His birth drew Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. If you like taking notes, write this down. His birth drew Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. Number two, his birth, the birth of Christ, drew the angels from heaven. His birth drew the angels from heaven. And number three, his birth drew the shepherds from the field. His birth drew the shepherds from the field. Now notice the plan of God orchestrating all of these events to line up with His Word, to give us the evidence, the proof that Christ Jesus, being born, was the Messiah. Today you may come in as a skeptic, not understanding. If, is this story true? I'll tell you, it's more than a story. It's not a story, it was real. Jesus was born. And you see that in Luke chapter two. And it came to pass, in those days, that a decree, a command an order went out from Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be registered. Now this was a man that was very powerful. He was the Roman emperor, he was called Caesar Augustus. He proclaimed himself to be Augustus, he gave himself that name, which means exalted or worshiped as God. And he wanted people to respect him or give him the power or the honor as one who came from the gods. And he decreed and he ordered, as we see there in verse one, that all the world or the Roman empire would be registered in order that they would be taxed. He commanded that a census would take place so that he would bring heavy taxation upon all people. Now, we learn this for two reasons. Number one, that we would understand that the times that Jesus was born into were times of heavy oppression. It was a time of social unrest. It was a time of fear. It was a time where people were hopeless. It was a time where the Roman government oppressed people by military force to bring a concept called the Pax Romana, which means Roman peace. This was a false savior, Augustus Caesar, establishing false peace. It's the very same thing that the world wants to offer right now, a broken system with power principles, with political principles that offer a false peace. But Jesus came into a broken system to now make whole the brokenness that existed in the heart of man. That's when Jesus came. And this all took place, notice the second reason why this is key, took place while Corinnaeus was governing Syria. Now Luke, as a physician, notice what he's doing. He's giving us reliability. He said, I want you to know the time and the date and the place when these things happen. This here is a historical anchor for you right now. This was an actual time. This was an actual place. This did happen historically. Augustus Caesar called for the Roman Empire to be now taxed through a census. Now Jesus was born into this world, a world that was hungry for a savior. A world that was hungry for peace. But notice that peace would not come from a political power. How many of us know that politics will let us down, but God will never let us down? God was overruling this. So it takes place in verse three. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Because of these events, everyone went back to their ancestral hometowns to be registered, to register their families regarding occupation, property, family, to be ready for the taxation from Augustus Caesar. This was one man that is sitting on the throne in Rome, but there is another that's sitting on the throne in heaven. And that is the Lord. Augustus was ruling, but God was overruling. God was in charge here. God is writing history. You know what a history is? His story. God is orchestrating all of these events through the affairs of man only to fulfill his word. Notice the prophetic word of God here in verse four. So Joseph went out from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to a city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David. This caused the census that Joseph would go back to his ancestral city, Bethlehem. He went out of Nazareth to the city of David called Bethlehem. He was of the family of the house of the descendants of David. To be registered, verse five, with Mary his betrothed or engaged wife who was pregnant or was with child. Now he made and took this 70 mile journey to Bethlehem. And think about what his wife thought. She was nine months pregnant and she had a ride on a donkey to Bethlehem. And she would probably be going through this uncomfortable 70-mile journey to get to where Bethlehem was. But God is moving them to register them in Bethlehem to fulfill his word and his prophecy, just as he said in the Old Testament. You see, you learn two prophecies here in verses four and five. The Bible tells us through the Old Testament, it was foretold that the Messiah would come from the family of David. Here you have Joseph, who was Mary's husband from the family of David, fulfilling prophecy that this child that was to be born was the son of God. First prophecy fulfilled there in Luke chapter two. But also the place, not only the family, also the place. This morning on Christmas, you can find two proofs that are prophetic that point to Jesus being the Messiah. Number 1, the family, the house of David. Number 2, the place, the place was Bethlehem. In Micah 5:2, 700 years before Jesus was born, Micah prophesied that the coming Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Do you see God orchestrating all these events? to get Joseph and Mary through now human circumstances to fulfill divine purposes to get them to the place they needed to be. And you find that in Micah 5 two. but you Bethlehem, Epaphratha, though you are little, you're insignificant Bethlehem, among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth the one who will be the ruler of Israel. So what do we learn here in, in just a few verses? The Messiah's family in the Messiah's place of birth, Bethlehem. Now, if you like taking notes, I want to tell you what Bethlehem means. It means house of bread. That's what Bethlehem means, the house of bread. But Jesus himself told us through the gospels that he was the bread of life. Jesus being born, the bread of life was born in the house of bread. This explains to us how God lined up these events to fulfill his purpose and plan. In John chapter six, verse 35, notice what Jesus tells us. He said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus came to satisfy the empty hearts of people that nothing else can satisfy them at the time. It was so fitting that the bread of life would be born in the house of bread. What did he say? I'm the bread of life. He who believes in me, they'll never be hungry. They won't be empty. They won't be thirsty. Notice if you trust in God, in Christ Jesus' son, you will be filled. You'll be satisfied. That's who he is. And he's keeping his word there in those few verses, God as how he is going to fulfill this plan. God is using Caesar Augustus to accomplish his own purpose. Do you notice oftentimes as we read this story, we start to remember that God providentially moves us where he needs us to be. And sometimes we don't wanna be moved. We say, Lord, this journey is difficult. This journey is dangerous. This journey is costly. But when God moves you somewhere, it's because he has a plan that he has set before you. And God is moving them to fulfill his plan. Caesar made the proclamation, but God ordained the plan. Remember that today, you may find a proclamation, but God has a bigger plan. And in verse six, it says, so it was while they were there, that the days were completed for her to be delivered. She gave birth, she, it was time for her to deliver and." To give birth to Jesus, and she brought forth, verse seven, her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. She gives birth, and Mary there, as a loving mother, what does she do? She wraps him. I want you to circle the word there in your Bible. Wrapped him. She wrapped him with these cloths and laid him in a manger. Why, there was no room in the inn for them. There was no space available. So they go out to the manger, they go out to the back stable. It was a barn close to the inn. And oftentimes we see a manger and it looks so beautiful on Christmas cards, but I tell you, it was not beautiful that day. It was a place where they would eat. It was a place where they would sleep, the animals. Some people believe it was a cave near the inn where the animals would eat like a feeding trough, a manger. God became flesh and he was born on a feeding trough. He was laid there. Now you have to appreciate God's grace, his humility in which he was born in and his accessibility. He was born in a manger, so simply, so humble, so that we can approach him. This is a preview of his whole life. But it says, because there was no room in the inn for them. There was no room available. It was full, there was no space. I remember hearing a story of elementary school that made a nativity scene play with the first graders. And there was a young little boy that wanted to be Joseph in the play and he really wanted to be Joseph, but he he didn't get the part, he got the part of the innkeeper. And it came the day where they would perform and they were all on stage, all the little kids with their robes, they're dressed up, the families are here, the lights go up, the the curtains go up and the play begins. And the scene comes in with Joseph and Mary are coming to the inn, and here's the little boy behind the door. He he's upset. He still can't believe he's not Joseph. They knock on the door, Joseph says, Do you have any room? And and he opens the door and he says, Listen, she can come in, but not you. I want her to be Joseph. (laughs) The Bible says there was no room in the inn. There was no room. There, There was no space available. I want to ask you right now, is there any room for Jesus in your life? Is there any space available in the room of your life, in the room of your heart for Jesus today? Or are you already full? Are you already busy with other things? Is there any occupancy there, space for Jesus to come in and to dwell in your life, in your heart right now? Maybe you're too distracted. And you made your entire year, especially this season, about other things that are secondary or secular instead of allowing Christ to come into your heart in life once and for all. There are so many of us that don't allow Christ to come in because we're too in a hurry. I like what John Wesley said. A man dedicated to prayer and the word of God, he says, I don't have enough time to be in a hurry. because he was dedicated, because he was full, because he was preoccupied with spending time with the Lord first. Do you allow Christ to come into the end of your heart right now, to come into the end of your mind right now? Oftentimes we have no room for Christ. And instead our lives are filled with anxiety, instead our lives are filled with fear. When Christ wants to come in and give you joy, he wants to come and give you peace, and we try every substitute instead of what only he can give us. Jesus wants to go into the inn, but you must be willing to open the door of your heart. When we reject Jesus, you know what you're rejecting? You're rejecting his love, you're rejecting his peace, you're rejecting the joy that you so try, frustrated, anxious, striving to find it somewhere else, and it's not there, it's missing. Are you open right now for God to speak to you? Is the in of your mind and heart open right now so that God can speak his word into your life right now? The in of your heart, is that open for Christ to come in? You may say right now, well, I don't have any room for him. I'll tell you, he has many rooms for you. In John 14, he says, I go to prepare a place for you in my father's house. There are many rooms and I'm preparing a place for you. What do you need to remove today in your life to make room for Jesus Christ? Because he wants to come in and dwell in there, in the place of your heart and in the place of your mind. His birth drew Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. His birth also drew, number two, the angels from heaven. And notice there in verse eight, now there was in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. In the same country, these shepherds were guarding, were living with the sheep. They were out on the fields by night. Now notice the shepherds in that day, they were considered social outcasts. They were considered spiritually unclean. They could not go into the temple and worship. They would not be able to participate with anything that it was to do spiritual because they were considered unclean spiritually. But God came to them first. God came to those who understood their need for him. You know, it's said and it's believed that oftentimes that maybe these shepherds were raising and protecting and guarding the sheep that would be used as temple sacrifices later on in the temple. Well, but by visiting the shepherds first with this announcement, the angels revealed to us the God's grace to mankind. Notice the grace of God here, going to the shepherds first. I want you to pay attention to this. This is God's grace in making the announcement to the shepherds first. God doesn't call the rich. God doesn't call the self-righteous. God doesn't call the proud, the mighty. He calls the common. He calls the poor. He calls the lowly. He brings hope to the hopeless. And that's what you see in the announcement coming to the shepherds first. God meets you right where you are. Regular people. Oftentimes we think, well, I need to clean my life, I need to reorganize my life, and then I can come to the Lord. No, come to Christ and let him change your life. He'll do it, he'll reorganize your life. And in verse nine it says, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. They were afraid when they saw the glory, the majesty of the angel, the visitation. The announcement having come to people who didn't have their own view or system of escaping the oppression of the world of that day. To people who knew that they needed a savior. To common people, to simple people, to those who were open to it. Are you open to the message that Christ has for you this Christmas? Because that's who the message came to, to those who were open to receive it, to those that were poor in spirit. The Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who recognize that they need a savior. These shepherds recognize their need of a savior. And in verse 10, it would tell us this, and the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Can you say that out loud with me? The angel said, do not be afraid. They they were afraid because of the angels. They were filled with fear. They were not only filled with fear because of the visitation or announcement, but they were filled with grief because of the day that they were living in, maybe pain, heartache, afraid of the future, or living in fear. And the Christmas message comes straight to you If you're open to receive it and tells you, you no longer have to live in fear. Today, know that you no longer have to live in fear because of this announcement. God brings you three gifts. And the first gift is mentioned here in this following verse. The gift that he brings to you is true joy. Jesus brings true joy. Write this down this morning that you would leave having received that gift of true joy. Jesus brings true joy. Because in verse 10, it says, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings. That means good news of great joy, which will be to all people. Don't be afraid. Don't don't live in fear. Don't fear the future. Don't feel the past. Don't, Don't live with grief or anxiety or depression any longer. I'm bringing you good news. Good news means the gospel. I'm bringing you the good news of Jesus Christ. And notice the good news. The good news bring not only joy, they bring great joy to all people. That is who the gospel is for. That is who this announcement is for. It is to all people. Not just to some people, not just to those that were raised in church, not to one ethnicity, not to one nationality. The gospel message is to all those who would be open to receive he who got sent to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins all people, the humble, the hungry, the helpless. To all of those, you know what the Lord brings? Great joy. This world wants to offer you joy, but it doesn't have it. It wants to pretend that if you have that bank account, you'll be joyful. If, you're, if you have success in that job, you'll be joyful. If you have the house, you'll find joy. If you're in the relationship, that you always wanted, you got the boyfriend and the girlfriend, you'll have joy. And then when you have it, then you'll say, well, if I was single, then I really would have joy. <laughs> the only one that brings true joy is Jesus Christ. In John fifteen eleven, notice what Jesus says. These things I've spoken to you, I said this, that in me you might have joy, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. You know what god speaks his word to us that we would have joy and that your joy would be full what does full mean that it would overflow that it would overabound that you would run over with joy the three gifts that christ brings on christmas begin with jesus bringing true joy that you would overflow people would recognize in you in spite of circumstance In spite of pain, in spite of what's going on on the outside, on the inside, I have joy because Jesus lives in my heart. Now notice verse 11. For there is born to you, circle the word to you. What was it? God has been born. God made flesh. Humanity. Born to you this day. It is very personal, this verse. Not only to the shepherds, but also to you this day in the city of David. Who was it born to? It was born to you. And today you may say, well, you know what? That Savior, that Christian stuff, that spiritual stuff, that joy, that that is only for my wife. She just made me come today because it's Christmas. No, Jesus was born for you too. You need a Savior. It was born for every single one of us that are here. Jesus Christ. All of us here need the grace of God. All of us here need a savior. This is why he said to you shepherds who are poor in spirit, born to you on this day, the city of David is a savior. Verse 11, notice what he says, a savior who is Christ the Lord. He uses three names to describe who Christ is. He is your savior. Savior means deliverer. Savior means rescuer. Born to you this day is a rescuer. Today we need a rescuer. Rescue us from the addiction of sin, to rescue us from the bondage of the past, to rescue us from the chains of death. Born to you is a rescuer now, a deliverer now. He's a savior the first name that he uses to describe jesus is savior he is this is a saving name but he also uses a supernatural name notice verse 11 who is christ christ means the messiah this is who you've been waiting for this is the supernatural name this is the anointed one this is who would come to pay for the penalty of your sins This is he who will give you eternal life. It's your rescuer, but it's the anointed one who is the Lord. His saving name, his supernatural name, but also his sovereign name, Lord, master. This is not a a multiple choice in which name you get to choose in regards to who God is for you. Here he describes who Jesus is. This defines the person, the work of Jesus Christ for your life. He is not one of these names, he is all of these names. And in order for you to know him as savior, you first must make him your Lord. So many people say, well, yeah, I want him to be my savior, but you haven't made him your Lord yet. He is Jesus Christ, savior, who is our Lord. Why is it that we receive the savior? Why is it that the shepherds were announced in regards to a savior? Because that's what the world needed then. And that's what the world needs today the world doesn't need a new politician the world doesn't need a new reform the world doesn't need laws or committees or more meetings you know what the world needs a savior jesus christ the lord that's what the world needs jesus brings true joy number two jesus brings true salvation this is why a savior was born to us. In Matthew 121, when the angel Gabriel came to, Mary, uh, to Joseph, speaking of Mary, and Gabriel spoke to Joseph this, and she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which means deliverer, rescuer, savior, for he shall save his people from their sins. This was the greatest need of man. This is our greatest need in life, a savior. If if the greatest need had been for information, you know what God would have sent? He would have sent an educator. If the greatest need for man would have been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If the greatest need for man would have been money, he would have sent an economist. If the greatest need for your life would be pleasure, God would have sent an entertainer. Your greatest need is forgiveness, so God sent a savior. That's why God sent Jesus Christ. And this will be a sign to you, verse 12. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. This is the wrapped gift for you right now. And he was wrapped in swaddling cloths. Now, I want you to know this. This wasn't a nice cloth. These were strips of cloths. And these strips of cloths were also used when preparing someone for burial. Jesus came in such a humble form, lying on a feeding trough, wrapped in swelling cloths that were used for a person when they were preparing them for burial. In fact, this sign was a confirmation to the shepherds that this baby that was to be born was born only to die, to die for the sins of the people. And suddenly, verse 13 There was an angel, with the angel was a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, suddenly after that, there was a heavenly host, there was an army of angels, that's what it means, praising God after the announcement came. Notice how they praised God, this army of angels that joined the angel who gave the announcement, glory to God in the highest. After the announcement of salvation came, notice what the first praise that was given, how it sounded. The purpose of salvation, notice this, the purpose of salvation is for the glory of God. Glory to God in the highest. The Bible says that when one sinner repents and turns to the Lord, there is a celebration taking place in heaven that glorifies God. The purpose of the birth of Christ is for our salvation And the purpose of our salvation is for the glory of God. God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, notice the third gift, peace. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. When religion could not meet the need of man's heart, God became flesh through the birth, through a virgin birth. And he came to give us true joy, true salvation, number three, true peace. That word peace means shalom. It speaks of blessedness, but more so it speaks of fullness. Jesus came so that you would be full, you'd be whole, there'd be inner tranquility from the inside between God and man. That's the kind of peace that we needed. You know where peace begins? Between you and God. And if you don't have peace between you and God, you have no peace anywhere else in life. The Bible says that we used to be enemies, strangers, foreigners. We were in enmity with God, at opposing sides with God until we received the forgiveness of our sins through Jesus Christ. And it says the peace of God is giving goodwill toward men or peace with those who God is pleased with. Who is a recipient of the peace of God today? Those who God is pleased with. If you would receive what God wants to give you, you would also receive his peace. Today you want the peace of God, then receive the gift of God. Go to goodwill toward men. The promise of peace, the the promise of goodwill, the blessed, the life of fullness would come to those who welcome God's only son into their lives. You know, in Romans chapter five, verse one, you know what Paul says regarding the peace of God, therefore having been justified by faith, you today can be right with God, justified, declared innocent, justified means that all your sins are paid for, just as if you never sinned, you can take the position of justified by faith, by trusting in Christ Jesus, we have peace with God. Paul told the church of Rome, having been justified by faith because you put your faith in Jesus, now you have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, who through him we also have access by faith into the grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That means that if you put your faith in Jesus, you can have peace with God. These are the gifts that Christ came to give us, and notice, peace looks like reconciliation. Between you and the Father, peace looks like repentance. But know this, it is impossible to have peace outside of the will of God. If today you're looking for peace somewhere else, you will never find it. It is impossible to find the peace of God outside of the will of God. Peace is not the absence of fear. You know what peace is? It's the presence of God. It means that no matter what happens on the outside, it doesn't matter what's taking place with exterior circumstances. I've received the peace of God, so I have peace on the inside. Externally, things may be going wrong, but internally, my heart has peace because I'm fixed in the faith that I have in Jesus Christ. The psalmist David said it so well in Psalms 144. 15, he says this, happy are the people who are in such states. Happy are the people who are in such state. You know the word happy means, oh, how blessed are the people who are in such states. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. How blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Yahweh, the one true living God. His birth drew Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. His, drew, his birth also drew the angels. But number three, his birth drew the shepherds from the field. So it was when they were, the angels had gone away, notice the shepherds' response. That the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Notice their attitude. Zacharias, when he heard the announcement regarding John the Baptist, he responded with unbelief. Mary responded with obedience when she heard the message of Gabriel. She said, let it be to me according to your word. Her life was under the authority of the word of God. The shepherds, when they received the announcement, noticed they responded with faith. This is how God would have you respond today that he offers you joy, that he offers you salvation, that he offers you peace, but we have to respond like the shepherds simply responded. A humble response, notice, let us go now. There's there's urgency here. They, They didn't put it off here. Notice what they say, let us go to see what's taking place in Bethlehem, what has come to pass that was told to us. They didn't put it off, they didn't hesitate, but notice their priority today, this Christmas, I pray that your priority can be this, to know him. That is the priority for us as believers. When we put our faith in Christ, you know what your priority, let us go now. I, I wanna see him. My priority is Jesus, I, I'm gonna go right now. Wherever he is, I need to be. If somebody asks you this year, what's your New Year's, New Year's resolution? You can say, I've resolved to do this, to know him. That's what I want, to know him. The shepherds give us a pattern here to learn. We must go now to know him. Now I want you to realize something as we look at verse 15, they had a choice and they made a decision at once. You have a choice right now and you can make a decision at once. You must make a decision at once. Because they said, let let us go now And let us go see what the Lord has made known to us. They respond in in simple faith. And in verse 16, and they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. What happens? Their priority is to know him. They go and they find him. Mary, Joseph, and the babe lying with his mother. You know why they found him? This word is important there in verse 16. They found him because they were seeking him. Today, you can find him if you're seeking him. In Jeremiah chapter 29, 13, the Lord says, and you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your hearts. Is this your response as well? Are you drawing near to God like these shepherds drew near to Jesus? And you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. That should be our priority, to know him. Everything else is second. I, I wanna encourage you that this Christmas, your priority should be to know him. I'm gonna seek him and I'm gonna find him. That's what Christmas is all about, searching for the savior. In Matthew 6:33, notice what Jesus taught, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. You know what the problem oftentimes is? Is that we put God second. You can't say that he's your Lord if he's second in your life. He either is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. First seek him, let us go now. And in verse 17, now when they had seen him, notice they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning the child. Now that they saw him, now they told Mary and Joseph and those that were there, regarding what they heard from the angels about Christ. The shepherds became the very first evangelists. They go from our priority, which is to know him, to number two, our profession, which is to make him known. What should you take away if you're a Christian this Christmas? Number one, to know him. And number two, to make him known. My priority is to know him. My profession is to make him known because I've responded by faith to the message of Jesus Christ. And in verse 18, and all those who heard it were marveled, amazed, and wondered at the things which were told to them by the shepherds. What, were they, what, what did the shepherds say? Did they talk about their experience? No, they didn't share experience. They shared message. I think today we are so in love with experience. We wanna hear experiences. They didn't talk about experience. You know what they talked about? The message, Jesus Christ. They they said the Messiah has come. The redeemer is here. The one who would rule of Israel is born. We can now enter the kingdom of the Prince of Peace. He is here. They, They were confirming and recognizing the things that they had heard. They were making him known. Would you live for that? that your priority would be to know him and your profession would be to make him known like these shepherds. They received by faith the message that was sent to them. What an example. They responded with immediate obedience. They did not put it off. I wanted you to pay attention to that. They did not put it off. They responded with immediate obedience. And after they found him, notice they glorify him. Verse 19 and 20, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. What did Mary do? She meditated on these things in her heart. She had received that word already from Gabriel. Then the shepherds returned. Notice how they left. They left different than the way they came in. They were in the field with fear, but they left with great joy. Glorifying and praising God, notice, glorifying and praising God for two things, what they had heard and what they had seen and what was told to them. Today you can leave with the same joy, glorifying God for what you have heard and what you have seen about Jesus Christ. They left praising God for everything that was told to them. Notice what this means. It was real to them. They they received it, They, they were open to it. They'd received the peace that came from God. Now they were peacemakers. Why? Because they were open to receive the message that the angel had for them regarding the son that was born to pay the price for our sins, to be the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, I wanna ask you again, in this inn, there is no room for Jesus, but have you received him? Have you trusted him already? Have you allowed him to come into the space of your heart and life? Have you made room for him? He wants to come in and he will come in if you open the door today. What greater day to open the door to Christ for him to come in? Jesus said himself in Revelation chapter 3, behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'm going to come in. I'll dine with him and him with me. Just open the door. Let me come in. He wants to come in. He will come in if you open the door. Jesus did not come to be born so that you can have a holiday. He didn't come to be born so you can have a few days off. He came to die on the cross for your sins. He was buried, he resurrected, and he's coming again. His gift for you today is eternal life, and it's given this way, with joy, with salvation, and with peace. You see, we go through the shopping centers maybe these weeks and we all have seen the gift boxes that are wrapped outside on display and we all know there's nothing inside but they're beautifully wrapped on the outside. That's the same with a lot of Christians today. They're beautifully wrapped on the outside but there really is nothing on the inside. Today, God can fill your heart. He can give you the greatest gift of all. Come and be the bread of life for your life to those that are empty, the hungry, and thirsty. Jesus was born so that you can be born again. He is the faithful giver of all good gifts. Did you know that he is the faithful giver of all good gifts? James chapter 1, verse 17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Every good gift. you're looking forward to gifts, know this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the father of lights, whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He doesn't change his mind. He is so faithful. This is the ultimate Christmas gift that you'll ever unwrap. As you see there in the manger, there's no greater gift that this world has ever received or will ever receive than the gift of Jesus Christ. Salvation is that gift that he gives us. He gives it to us because he loves us. Ephesians chapter two says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, not of yourselves. It is a what? Gift of God. Well, we're receiving all our gifts this morning. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Not because you're good, not because you're spiritual, not because you come to church, but because he's good, When you trust him, you trust his love, you trust his sacrifice. It is a gift from God. You know what Paul said when he thought about the grace of God to the church of Corinth? Thanks be to God. I mean, he was just thinking about the grace of God and he told the Corinth as he was speaking out loud, praising God, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Have you ever received a gift? And you said, this is the best gift ever. Today don't say that when you open your gifts. You already receive that. It's in Jesus Christ. Look at this indescribable gift. The grace of God that is given to you. In Romans 6:23, the gift it comes up again. For the wages of sin and death. The payout for your sin, you know what it is? It's death sin always pays out and you know how it pays out in death you may not be paying for sin right now you will pay for it later but if you trust in jesus you can know he already paid your debt for you the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord but the gift of god maybe right now you you're thinking "I, i i need the gift i need the peace I need the joy, I need the salvation that we talked about. You may have received the gift once and you're saying, I walked away from the Lord. I need to give my life to him. I need to rededicate my life. We'll do it this Christmas. You may have never asked him to fill you with joy or with peace or salvation. You need to ask him now. You need to redeem that gift, the gift of God. If that's you right now, I wanna invite you to stand on your feet right now.